Hey, everybody. Here at Keep Talking Podcast, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we have a health or fitness-related episode because I'm a personal trainer in my spare time, and I'm a total health and nutrition nerd, and I think it's very important for you to focus on your health and nutrition and fitness as well. Now, a lot of Keep Talking's audience is non-native English speaking, and the language in these episodes is often advanced English, but... I'll make sure that I speak clearly and concisely enough for all non-native speakers and, of course, native speakers to understand. All right. Enjoy the episode. What's up, everybody? I'm kind of laughing as I'm going into this episode because something's going on in my personal life right now that made me laugh. It has nothing to do with recording this episode. This episode is like basically kind of going to be, it's a, you know, a serious episode, right? How to help you, hopefully, with your digestive issues if you have them. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I'm just, anyway, long story short, funny stuff going on in my personal life right now. And I'm just going to carry the, the laughing, fun mood into the episode with me, um, if that's possible when you're talking about digestive problems. Um, okay. So I've talked about this topic before in numerous different ways. I'm, I'm putting out another episode on it just because I think it's so important. And in a way I feel an obligation to put stuff like this out because I'm someone who suffered from a lot of digestive gastrointestinal issues throughout my life, like really throughout my late teens and twenties. I finally have started to, to like solve it quite a bit over the last, probably the last like year or two in particular through a lot of experimentation, a lot of stuff. And I just, I know how many other people are struggling with this for different reasons. And I just, I, I feel obligated to share what has worked for me because I know how bad it sucks. I know how bad it sucks just to have gastrointestinal digestive issues plaguing you on a day-by-day basis. It makes every other aspect of our life just, you just can't really enjoy life. I'm sorry, for a lot of different reasons. Like, And I'm not even going to get into like the nitty-gritty details, okay? You know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about having gastrointestinal digestive issues. Yeah, they're different for all of us in different ways, but you know, we don't need to go into the, <laughs> I don't need to spell it all out for you, okay, what that looks like. Well, let's just say that it sucks, all right? Now, um, medical disclaimer, I'm not a doctor. I can't give you specific medical advice. Um, another thing with this one is that, um, you know, this episode, all of these kind of nutrition-related episodes, the big thing I keep telling you guys is that it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. Nutrition, what works for me may not work for you. Literally, which foods are healthy for me may not be healthy for you, etc. Okay? Um, it's just where it's humans, we our bodies react differently to different things. Our digestive systems, our gut microbiomes are different. We all react differently to different things. Our lifestyles are different, etc. We live in different parts of the world, etc., which makes a difference. We have different DNA. There's a whole bunch of stuff, and really, I haven't even scratched the surface, probably, of all the stuff that can affect this, but what I am going to do in this episode is basically give you some ideas. I'm going to give you some ideas based on all of the experimenting I've done on myself to try to solve these issues. Explain what has worked well for me. That way you can get some ideas. If you're out there and you're struggling with gastrointestinal digestive issues, hopefully at least one of these ideas, and you can try out different things, but hopefully at least one of these ideas will really help you. Okay? So, um, gosh, where do I even start? Okay. Let's kind of get into just the basics first. Some key tips to keep in mind that are probably useful tips for everyone. Okay, um, so number one, eat slow. 
eat slow in general. Um, you know, then when we chew our food better, parents have been telling us to chew our food since we were little kids. Okay, when we chew our food better and when we eat a meal in a slow, more relaxed state, relaxed, sorry, state, there's even science behind this, um, we digest the food better. Okay, so take time to sit down, eat a meal, eat slowly, chew your food. Okay, and if you don't have time, if you feel like you have to eat fast, honestly, sometimes I feel like it might be better to just skip the meal. Now, I'll come back in a minute to like how many meals per day seem to work better, etc. But eat slowly, chew your food, okay? Um, and try to be eating in a relaxed state because when we're eating in either like a nervous or a rushed state, that's not as good for our digestive system either, okay? Don't eat many highly processed foods. This is another general recommendation just for health in general, okay? Um, don't overeat. Now, this is something it seems, this is like probably the one that I think... This is like the big, well, duh, out of all of the different pieces of advice that I can give and the things that I've tried on myself is like caloric restriction, even though it's not something that's good to do that much long term, just eating less total calories uh, makes it so you don't have as many gastrointestinal issues. Like all the things I've tried, one thing I noticed is like, well, when I'm in a calorie deficit, if I don't eat quite that much, no matter what my diet has in it, no matter what foods I'm eating, I don't have that many gastrointestinal issues just because I'm not eating as much food. And then you think to yourself, well, duh, Sean, thank you. Captain Obvious, Mr. Rocket Science, eat less. You're not going to fart as much. Good Lord. <laughs> no, okay. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's true. And, 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 like, it can really be applied to specific meals as well. You know, don't eat, oh, don't overeat in one big meal. Definitely don't overeat before bed. Um, my general rule is to try to not eat, eat anything within about two hours of going to bed. Some people will say you shouldn't eat until a couple hours after waking up either, but I think that's getting nitpicky and depends on the person in your daily life. But in general, it's good to not eat before bed. Don't eat too late at night. Um, you know, how many meals per day? This, this can vary from person to person a lot. I find that for me... Well, and I don't even really know for myself anymore. I've, I've played around with all of it. But some people's stomachs just seem to operate better on, you know, three or even only two meals a day. One meal a day is tough. There's this fad out there called OMAD, one meal a day, where you really just kind of have one big, like within one hour you eat all of your food, and it's obviously a ton of food. That's not really something I recommend for many people. Some people say, I mean, well, we don't need to get into the benefits of, you know, intermittent fasting and autophagy in this episode. I will talk a little bit more about intermittent fasting here in a few minutes, but um, the one meal a day thing, I think I wouldn't really recommend it for that many people. Um, but, you know, two big meals a day can work really well. For some people, up to five or six smaller meals works better. This is kind of more about what seems to make your body feel better and just what works more with your schedule. So once again, um, you can play around, though, with how many meals a day you eat, how often you eat, etc. Um, but in general, just, you know, don't, don't, if you don't overeat too much, then, yeah, you're not as likely to have gastrointestinal issues. So those are, those are kind of like the big... Um, the big things to look into first, the tips that are probably good for everyone, no matter what your situation is, right? Now, let's start attacking the ways that you can, you know, the other things that you might not be thinking about or might not be as obvious, may not work for everyone, that might, but might work for you, okay? So, let's, um, well, let's see. Let's, yeah, let's just start with intermittent fasting since I've touched on that already. So, Intermittent fasting, it, you know, became a very popular thing over the last 10 years or so, and 
essentially what it is is you're eating all of your calories, eating all of your food within a certain window of maybe only six to eight or up to 10 total hours. So essentially you would fast for a period, like let's take the common one, it's a 16-8. So you fast for 16 hours and then you eat everything within an eight hour window. So maybe, maybe you only eat from 12 p.m. until 8 p.m. Like this kind of just works out to being skipping breakfast, right? Um, So you might have two big meals. You might even have three or four smaller meals in that time, right? You might have a meal at 12, a meal at two, four, six, and eight, whatever. But you eat within that eight-hour window. Then you don't eat anything again. You don't consume any calories, you know, only coffee and maybe, or excuse me, only water and maybe coffee or tea with nothing else in them, um, you know, the next morning or whatever. But you have a 16-hour fasting window, okay? Now, Um, In my opinion, the intermittent fasting has kind of been like the benefits may have been overblown by some people in that community. But I will say I do like it for my digestive system. I do like it. Something about, um, and I'm actually not not doing it currently right now. And I I mean, I guess technically we all intermittent fast, you know, every day. Like right now, I probably have like a 12-hour fast on average. Stop eating dinner around like 7 and then have breakfast around like 7 after I work out. You know, it's kind of how I do it right now. Um, Intermittent fasting is... um, I like it for my digestive system. The times where I do it, because I do have periods throughout the year, depending on my schedule and stuff, where I'll do some intermittent fasting. And I actually do like it. It just kind of, it feels like it's like a full reset for the stomach, if that makes sense. And it's like, okay, yeah, nothing in there. You just kind of, it's just totally like, it seems like you're more just clean. You know, you're not constantly putting food in there when you've had, um, you know, 16 hours of fasting. Now, fasting is something that we all need to be careful with, particularly women um, around times of menstruation with hormones. You know, talk to your doctor about it. Um, you know, there are different pros and cons, but just digestively, it does seem to help me some when I do it. Okay, so that's one idea. Um, now, another thing that I tried um, was uh, what's called a low FODMAP diet. So FODMAPs. See if I remembered off the top of my head. Fermented oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols, I think. But anyway, basically, it's this list of its different foods that you can try that, um, well, some foods are high in what are called FODMAPs, all of these saccharides that I just mentioned, um, which are like types of fermented carbohydrates, if I'm remembering correctly. And you'll find like lots of fruits and vegetables are on this list. Some of them, though, are not. See, like, it's, it's not necessarily like, oh, all vegetables are high FODMAP or, or all fruits are low FODMAP. No, like, in all the food groups, you'll find some foods that are higher in FODMAPs and some that are lower in FODMAPs. And you can go on the internet and just find, you know, like, high FODMAP versus low FODMAP foods. Um, but anyway, long story short is some people's digestive systems tend not to react as well to these, uh, you know, foods that are higher in FODMAPs. And so for a while I was kind of trying this like a low FODMAP diet. It was actually recommended to me by my doctor. It did seem to kind of work a little bit. It didn't like totally solve things and I wasn't really sure what may have actually been helping. And that's always the thing about this too, is there can be just multiple factors happening at any given time. It's like, what is really the cause of either what's working or what's not working right now? You know, um, but anyway, uh, so low, look into low FODMAP. That may be an option. And trust me, on a low FODMAP diet, there's it's not like you're eliminating that many foods. Like you can still eat a lot of you know good, nutritious, and um, tasty foods as well. So look into low FODMAP possibly. Um, next one, all right, yeah, let's just go there. The next one's going to get a little bit controversial, but actually doing a more ketogenic diet or a lower carbohydrate diet 
really does seem to help me in certain ways. And so, okay, I've done episodes here about a keto diet because I did a brief stint with one for two or three weeks and I liked it overall. I mean, it's not something I recommend to most people in the long term. Um, however, because what a keto diet is, is essentially you are eating a very low amount of carbohydrates. You're putting your body into a state of ketosis, theoretically, where you're burning ketones, essentially your body's fat for fuel, as opposed to using stored glycogen or stored you know, carbohydrates for fuel. Um, and after you've done this for a couple of days, you're in a state of ketosis. After not eating very many carbohydrates for a couple of days, you get into that state of ketosis. And it typically needs to be definitely less than like 50 grams of carbohydrates per day. Now, um, that when I did keto, that actually did help with my digestive issues, and I think that part of it, um, well, okay, you know, there's the whole fiber issue. We need fiber in general to poop, right? Um, but uh, you know, too much fiber for a lot of us sometimes can, yeah, I mean, it can cause you know gastrointestinal discomfort, um, and sometimes it's like sometimes we really don't even know, you know, like is is it the fiber, is it this or whatever. Um, but it kind of makes sense to me, like on a keto diet, that I wouldn't have nearly as many gastrointestinal issues just because, okay, and for the record, I was getting enough fiber to poop. Um, but like it, that I, it makes sense that I didn't have that many gastrointestinal issues and just my stomach felt good because it's like I'm mainly just putting in like meat, cheese, eggs, and a few other little things here and there, like some cacao, some butters, a little bit of like nuts, but not even very much because even those have some carbs. Um, and, you know, like very little vegetables here and there. Um, but, you know, without much like fiber, you know, because a lot of times like the, the grains and stuff and lots of vegetables, things like that have fiber. Without much fiber, it's like, oh, well, yeah, I don't really have anything that would cause, let's say, you know, gases or whatever, theoretically. Um, I'm just eating the hard meats and cheeses and eggs. Um, so that actually did seem, that actually did seem to help. And believe it or not, at this point, I actually like to kind of use some of these practices, not like fully. What do I mean by that? Like actually nowadays, what I usually do at least right now, because I kind of switch up the way I diet a lot. But like what I'm doing right now is staying in, I'm not like in ketosis because I'm eating carbs for dinner, but like basically I'm eating, um, I'm eating, you know, a lot of, you know, meats, cheeses, and eggs, those things that are kind of part of that keto diet I was doing for breakfast and lunch. And then for dinner, um, I'm loading up on more carbs in general. And I like it because I kind of like I don't know. I feel like when I'm eating a bunch of carbs throughout the whole day or, you know, more fruits and vegetables, it just makes me more susceptible to more digestive issues as the day goes on. And once again, this is this is all different for everybody. You know, you might find that things like meats, cheeses and eggs that that work well with my digestive system do not work well for yours. Okay. now I will say that most of those foods, as long as they're like unprocessed, particularly like the case with meat. Um, unprocessed meat is in general a pretty easily digestible thing for most human beings and even I'll come actually I'll come back to lactose and stuff um, but yeah so um, you know try a little spurts of more of a keto diet with you know very limited carbohydrates and even you know limited vegetables and fruits even though some people might tell you well that's unhealthy well okay um, big long topic as far as like how much we need different fruits and vegetables yeah I would say that vegetables in particular are very good for most of us um, you know and fruits are good too depending on uh, long story short, if you can get them locally in particular and, you know, um, in season, yeah, um, then 
you know, go for it. They're usually healthy. They have lots of micronutrients, um, but also not necessarily that necessary. You like my English? I'm supposed to be the English instructor on here. Not necessarily that necessary, dudes. Okay. Um, But, and actually, I should just bring up seasonal eating because seasonal eating is an interesting one, or eating seasonally or eating locally as well, okay? So local foods that grow in your area can be a big deal as well, which is tough around here because I live in Minnesota where, like, foods in general just don't grow locally in the winter, which is why, that's kind of why I was turned on to trying the keto diet from a friend of mine who does it in the winter basically every year. Anyway, um, the long story short, if you can eat more locally grown foods that don't come across, you know, six different oceans in a bunch of different trucks with a bunch of trucks, trucks in the oceans, (laughs) you get the point that I'm being transported from all around the world with all these preservatives and stuff like that. Uh, (laughs) It's probably probably better for you. It's probably good that I started this episode in kind of a laughing mood because I just keep saying things that that warrant a laugh anyway. <laughs> um, so anyway, the trucks driving across the oceans with your food and your bananas. Okay. Um, so seasonal eating, eating local foods can be another thing as well. Now let's talk about like elimination diets. Okay. Because you'll hear stuff about this. Like, yeah, I went on an elimination diet, solved all my issues, solved my digestive issues, solved my autoimmune issues, solved my Erectile dysfunction solved my tax problems. I don't know. No, I don't know. I'm just joking now. It seems like these these elimination diets can apparently be like the cure for everything. Now I've never done like a true elimination diet where you like take away everything, and like some people will like take away everything, and like all I'm going to eat is meat, and then I'll start gradually introducing things back into it. Now this is a little extreme, and I think it's probably only necessary for people who are like obviously sick and have either some sort of an autoimmune condition or something like that, um, but. Okay, elimination diets and just, yeah, I mean, eliminating certain foods is obviously useful, okay? See, because here's the thing, and maybe I should have, like, reiterated this at the beginning. Like, when it comes to gastrointestinal digestive issues, a lot of times we can look at it and say, okay, what food is causing the issue? What specific food or ingredient is causing the issue? Or we can look at it and say, No, what about the way I'm eating, about my lifestyle, about, you know, how often I'm eating, how many meals a day I'm eating, how much I'm eating, at what time of the day am I eating, right? What kind of a, you know, physical and emotional stress level am I under when I'm eating? Those things actually may make more of a difference than the actual nutrients themselves, the foods themselves. So keep that in mind. But, and that's kind of what I talked about at the beginning, but to talk about, you know, the, um, well, uh, eliminating certain foods from your diet. So that's obviously kind of a useful thing, and that's essentially what I just talked about doing in certain ways with like low FODMAP or keto, right? Um, now, what I've done, and I've mentioned this company before on the podcast, there's a company called Viome, V-I-O-M-E, that does health intelligence and gut intelligence testing. They do lots of cool stuff, to be honest. They tell you your biological age. For the record, my biological age, when I did it when I was 32, it showed that my biological age was 34 which means I'm an old fart for some reason and I need to get healthier. I did it again when I was 33 after following some of their recommendations and I was still at 34, but that's good because it means apparently I didn't age. And anyway, you could look on their website, you know, viome.com to figure out how they're measuring this. But um, but anyway, they give you some really good food recommendations, foods that you should, um, you should eat a lot of, foods that you should minimize, foods that you should avoid completely. And the interesting thing about it is I've done it twice now. I did one test about a year and a half ago and another test just a couple months ago 
And the foods do change over time because our gut microbiome changes over time. And what you do to do this test is you do, they actually send a kit to your house. You do a blood sample on your finger and then you do a stool sample. So yes, you do have to poop in one of those little, pick it out with one of those little sample things and then you take it to a post office if you live in the U.S. I'm not sure how it would work, it work, would work internationally. But anyway, so yeah, it's kind of gross, but you do it and you get your results. And I would say that, that the results they've shared with me have helped. I definitely do think that eliminating the foods that it talked about telling me to eliminate, told me to eliminate completely peanuts the first time around, which kind of sucks because I'm a peanut and peanut butter fiend. Like you could catch me, you could catch me a couple years ago, like sitting on the couch, eating like a jar of peanut butter with peanuts sprinkled into it. All right. Peanut butter with actual peanuts, the solid peanuts from another bag of peanuts sprinkled into the peanut butter. All right, am I painting a clear picture here? And no, this is not a low calorie or weight loss diet, but I like peanuts and peanut butter. Anyway, but um, so, and I do still have them occasionally now, but so that's a good company to try that can give you an idea of literally based on your biology, based on your gut microbiome. This is lab testing, right? This is blood and stool lab testing telling you what you should eat and it costs $200 to do the test the way I've done it all right and it's very valuable and there's but I mean there's other ways to do this too I mean so yeah you can try obviously an elimination style diet where you eliminate certain things um it's it's tough because it's like I think the hardest thing with doing any of this stuff and figuring out what works for us whether it's trying to solve your gastrointestinal issues or trying to figure out how to build more muscle or burn more fat or whatever all the above it's like, it's really hard to pinpoint, it's hard to do it as a scientific experiment where all the other factors are, are the same. You know, you, can, there's, you can't control all the factors all the time when you're a human being living in daily life. You can try, but it's kind of tough. And I think that's definitely a key thing to keep in mind with the elimination diet. It's like, okay, yeah, well, I, I eliminated these two foods, but maybe was it the fact that on this day I was just less stressed out or on this day I didn't work out and maybe since I didn't work out, my body was just feeling better because it wasn't under the extra stress. Maybe on this day I ate, you know, a couple hours earlier before bed. I don't know. A lot of different things. A lot of different things. But, um, yeah, I think um, that's another thing that you can try is eliminating certain foods. Um, so there's that. There is, yeah, you know, and let's get into, let's get into gluten, gluten, lactose, wheat, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so gluten, you know, a lot of people will think that, like, gluten is a bad guy. Um, and gluten, <laughs> I always love, like, defining gluten, you know. I, I should just, like like just look at at it like the google definition enough until i finally get it but anyway it's like it's you know some sort of like a protein that's found in different types of of grains okay and you know we'll hear about things that have a lot of gluten whether it's like wheat bread or i don't know what you know anyway so but everybody's talking about gluten and then there is something called celiac disease and by the way this is like out of my area of expertise okay um but you know i know enough just to barely be dangerous to talk about the topic um but there is something called celiac disease, which as I understand it, those people, I think they have to totally avoid gluten, I think. Anyway, um, don't quote me on any of this. If you listen to the first 22 minutes and, you know, you, you can assume that I knew what I was talking about for all that. But when we get into gluten, it's not my area of expertise. But anyway, okay, so there's <laughs> there's gluten. Um, and like sometimes I feel like the gluten sensitivities might be a little bit overblown. Um because I don't think that many people actually have celiac disease. I remember I looked up the stats on this, and it's not that high. Um, but anyway, so you know, you could look into eliminating gluten. I actually, for example, don't really eat that much wheat 
now anyway. Wheat's a tricky one because wheat is one. I mean, from like the 90s and 2000s, you know, the first decade, yeah, the 2000s. Is that what they call the first decade of the 2000s? To me, the 2000s sounds like the whole century. But like anyway, the 90s and 2000s, that was like the whole thing. It's like eat lots of wheat. Your whole 90% of your plate should be wheat and then 5% or maybe 50% wheat, (laughs) whole grains, 40% vegetables, 8% fats, and 2% meats. And they should only be chicken and fish or turkey. Don't eat red meat. It's bad for you. It's going to give you heart attacks. I ate a lot of red meat. Um, but, um, okay, so like wheat was heavily promoted during that time. I really, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's bad for all of us. I also just don't think, I don't really see that much nutritional value. It's like, all right, yeah, it's got, you know, fiber. Can't even remember what kind of fiber we talking soluble, insoluble fiber. I forget the difference sometimes. But okay, yeah, it's got a lot of fiber. I mean, technically, you know, it's got carbohydrates, so it would give you slow digesting carbs, which would be good if you're going for a long hike three to four hours after eating the wheat. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, like stuff like that. I'm like, well, it's not that nutritious. It definitely seems to cause me and others some digestive issues talking about wheat and lots of whole grains here. I don't know. I mean, for me, the big, the main form of source of whole grains that I eat is actually just oats, oatmeal, steel cut oats, right? Not the processed crap that comes in there with like happy strawberry flavoring in the little packets. No, I'm not talking about that. Um, but you know, so you could look into avoiding things that have either gluten or wheat. Um, and then there's lactose. You love lactose. Um, I think actually, based on the research that I've done, I know, okay, I know certain populations of the world, apparently, is it like India where they just like can't drink milk? They're like all lactose intolerant. I don't know. But I think all of us have a certain degree of lactose intolerance. Uh, I, I think this is legit based on the research that I've done. But this is another one that I feel like is like overblown. My mom will do this all the time. She'll be like talking to me because like she's had some of these issues before too. And she's just like, I just can't drink milk. You know, and I'm like, I just, really? Like, I, I don't know if it's it's that. Like, is it the milk or is it like the the sugar candy cereal that we're pouring the milk on top of? Because <laughs> like if anybody, okay, if anybody here has eaten a bowl of cereal, over the last uh, however long it doesn't it doesn't even matter what cereal it is there are basically none of them even the ones that say like healthy granola something or other they're like chocked full of added sugars and seed oils and natural and artificial flavors quote unquote or something like that like you are eating a, a, a treat a sweet you are eating candy almost okay it is literally just like pure sugar i was at my parents house like a week ago and like i just i just binged out on it because i'm like well i'm here they got this stuff so i'm gonna have it you know i was uh my mom was traveling um for like a few days she was visiting her family in texas and like see I'm, i don't even talk about my family that much in this podcast but anyway so my mom's originally from texas my dad's from iowa and so my mom's visiting her family Texas and my dad he he doesn't go to Texas the only time he gets on a plane is if he's going to Las Vegas to play poker which he did last year he got lucky enough to play in the World Series of Poker and he might get to go back this year but he doesn't get on planes unless he can play poker with thousands of other people so anyway so he's home alone for like the week and I went to visit him on a Sunday and I'm trying to think like we had uh I was there like all day. For lunch, he made this like rice casserole, the bomb that he always makes. Love that. Probably not the healthiest thing, but definitely healthier than what I had for dinner. Because then for dinner, I'm like, and this this is this is a gringo move right here. This is this is a white guy from Minnesota move right here. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna have some cereal for dinner. You know, this was up, and um, and so like, he's got these cereal things in there that are just like. 
what are they even called? God, they're like the granola bags that you see at like all the grocery stores. I can't remember the brand name, but he's got like six of them in there and he eats them for breakfast. He puts his yogurt on it, which by the way, his yogurt, it's like some weird flavored yogurt that also has like 25 grams of added sugars. I mean, I'm glad that he's doing, he's, he's pretty healthy. You know, he's 66 years old now and it's like, damn man, you were just, just slamming sugar for breakfast without even knowing it. But, uh, <laughs> and like half the podcast episodes that I've done would like totally talk, would speak very negatively about what, what you're doing for breakfast, but he's hanging in there. He's doing good. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, but I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to have some of this. I'm, I'm going to have to have a big old bowl of this and put some peanut butter on it. That's how I do. All right. It's a big bowl. Cause it's like already kind of peanut butter flavored. Anyway, you do like the bowl of sugar granola cereal that's supposed healthy with the peanut butter with the with like an extra banana on top then just drip a little milk on there it's like the two percent milk it's like the stuff that almost tastes like water anyway um i don't even really like it i would prefer whole milk but um anyway so you get the point the point is is like when i go over there since i don't buy this stuff for my own house right i'm like all right well i'm, I'm at their house now and they got this stuff so it's what i'm having it's gonna be a fun day okay uh, but you know like 90 percent of the time i eat pretty healthy um all right, so there's that. Uh, I don't know what got me off on that tangent. Lactose, yes, lactose. I don't know. I mean, yes, yeah, some people say I can't handle milk, I can't handle cheese, I can't even do eggs. That would really suck because I like eggs. Um, it's another thing where, first off, like I encourage you to think about what you're having the lactose with as well because, like I said, if you're having it like with cereal, check the cereal first. Um, if you know, yeah. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe some people, more people than I realize do actually have lactose issues. And another thing with, um, you could try A2 milk. So A2 is a different type of what is a different type of protein, um, that comes from the cows. Long story short, try A2 milk. It tends to be a little bit easier to digest. I definitely don't recommend, I don't recommend for many people to try those like oat milks and soy and almond milks just because in general they don't just they don't have much nutritional value i'm sorry i mean like they have like basically no protein how are you going to drink a milk with no protein what like a milk should be having protein okay they don't have much nutritional value they tend to have some other junky ingredients in them and i'm just i'm not a fan nowadays i used to drink them i honestly i, I used to drink them when i was going through kind of more of like a vegetarian-ish phase like five years ago but trust me, I feel better now and I look better now uh, Now that I've just kind of gone back to drinking some regular milk and eating some meat and cheese and eggs. Um, yeah, so um, you, know, you could try the A2 dairy. Sheep's milk and goat milk are actually other good options for people. If you don't think that cow's milk sits well with you, you could try it. Um, and if nothing less, you know, it's fine. Oh, and okay, here's another one. Here's another interesting one. Raw milk and raw cheese. I don't really do raw milk just because it's hard to find around here, but I love raw cheese. I eat, okay, and what, what raw means is unpasteurized. So usually, you know, we get things, you know, milk, cheese, things like that, and we're getting it pasteurized. And pasteurization is a process that was essentially developed, you know, to take out bad bacteria, if I understand things correctly. Um, but I, like, as I understand it, the pasteurization process also takes out a lot of enzymes um, and, a, and some other nutrients that we need. And long story short, I've been eating a lot of raw cheese lately, a lot. And this stuff is great. It's great. It makes me feel great. It tastes great. Especially when you, um, you know, if you kind of, if you kind of melt it just for a minute and just, you know, up in and just put it up in a pan on the stovetop. Mm. 
a little melty raw cheese or even just eat it hard strengthen those teeth a little bit gotta get like the neanderthals or whoever the people were that lived like you know centuries ago strong jaw because they're biting into some actual tough stuff it's a thing trust me i've I've researched this a little bit um apparently we don't have as stronger jaws as people used to i think that's a thing um but anyway so that's another option i don't know and so i that's really um i know i kind of clowned around in this and made some weird jokes but like um if you're if you're if you have digestive issues i really want you to try some of these different things so like i said the big things for everybody are try to eat minimally processed foods okay don't overeat whatever that may mean for you eat slowly eat when you're in a relaxed state um you know, try to eat things that are local and seasonal if possible. That'll help. Uh, other than that, I mean, the other things you can try. Intermittent fasting can help. Um, going more of a keto-based diet can help. Low FODMAP can help. Uh, trying to have, like, no veggies. A lot of times I actually just do this. This kind of goes along with my keto. It's just, like, either no no veggies or no carbs until dinner, okay? Um, I don't, didn't really talk that much about that. Well, I kind of did, yeah. Yeah. Um, could try cutting out different things like gluten and lactose. You could try a test like Viome. Um, you know, there's lots of ways to do it, but you you have to self experiment. You really do. I just unfortunately there's there's no other way to do it. I mean, yeah, the tests can kind of like make the process simpler and and shorter for you if you're willing to pay the money to do like a Viome test. But even then, it's kind of still a matter of like experimenting. Um, yeah, and so. I think I'll leave you with that. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. It's a tricky thing, but with time, you will get it. So try taking some of these uh, these tips. Um, and remember, like I said, if you want the 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 um, how did they call those books? The Complete Idiot's Guide to Solving Gastrointestinal Issues. Eat less, dummy. But unfortunately, eating less all the time doesn't always work. Calorie restriction doesn't always work because if we're always in a calorie-restricted state, then theoretically we're always losing weight. And if we always are losing weight, then we die eventually. Um, so, yeah, and there's sometimes we do need to just eat enough to maintain or even build more body masses, particularly if it's muscle. But, yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's all I got for today. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this, and we'll talk again soon. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Let's 